Well, good morning. It is uh, good to see you all here, have you all here. And, um, you know, I'm sure that uh, there are some of you that are here maybe for the first time uh, joining us. And it is such a delight uh, to have you here for this uh, series that we're uh, kicking off that uh, uh, Ryan was telling you a little bit about. And I also want to just say hi to everyone in our chapel service who, uh, who's uh, joining us here this morning. So uh, that question that, that Ryan asked, you know, uh, does our life matter, right? Because as human beings, we want our life uh, to matter. Have you ever had a moment where you've just like thrown your arms up in the air and you just felt like it's, just, it's for nothing, right? And maybe it's something you're going through. Maybe, it, maybe it's the thing that's not happening. Maybe things are good in your life. It's just, it's like there's something missing. And we want to know that our lives matter in a way that's more than just uh, intellectual, like we want to know it in our being. We want to feel it. We want to experience it because we, as human beings, we all want our lives to count. And what I want to do is I want to kick off this series and look at a particular person uh, who we see a lot of his story in the Old Testament. His name is Solomon. So we're going to be, uh, we're going to start looking uh, in the Old Testament and we're going to start in the first book of Kings in the Old Testament. Book of Kings, uh, there's two books of Kings and they chronicle uh, all the kings of Israel and we learn a lot of, uh, about them. So we're going to be there in a second, but let me just say this. Solomon is the third king of Israel. Uh, he becomes king uh, after his father in about uh, probably somewhere around 970 B.C., so a very long, long time ago. And he brought a ton of economic stability. He did, like he innovated. He, he brought Israel up to a kind of pinnacle uh, that was really uh, remarkable. And if you look in 1 Kings chapter 4, uh, we get a little information about him that I, uh, just to give us some background. Uh, look with me at uh, 1 Kings chapter 4. And uh, we're, we're going to be looking at a lot of different scripture passages this morning. And so if, just know uh, we're gonna try and put all those uh, passages uh, up this morning in case like you don't find your place in your Bible as I'm uh, flipping around in this. But First Kings chapter four, verse uh, 20, and this is talking about his reign. It says this, there were so many people living in Judah and Israel while Solomon was king that they seemed like grains of sand on the beach. Everyone had enough to eat and drink and they were happy. And I just like, I think that's remarkable. Like it just to talk about a, a whole country of people and they were happy, right? That's, there, there's something, and, and again, it, I, you know, it, it's, it's not saying it in an absolute way, but there's something amazing going on under uh, his rule and his uh, reign here. It goes on verse 21. Solomon ruled uh, every kingdom between the Euphrates River and the land of the Philistines down to Egypt. And why this is important is because Solomon ended up expanding uh, the kingdom of Israel uh, way beyond what his father did. And his father, David, expanded it in ways and really made it a powerhouse in that day uh, that people did not expect. And I think we've got a map uh, of it that you, that you can see just how much area he expanded it out. And the remarkable part of this was he didn't do this primarily through uh, like warfare uh, or taking, excuse me, one second. I know I'm, he didn't do that primarily through warfare or um, 
uh, like hostile takeover. He really did it out of negotiating, um, out of treaties, all of these different things, a very unique kind of leader uh, in this. And it says this, uh, drop down to verse uh, 29. Uh, it, because this is what Solomon is most known for. Even he did these massive building projects, all of this stuff, but his wisdom was what he was most known for. And here's what the Bible says in verse 29. It says, Solomon was brilliant. Imagine, imagine having the Bible say that about you, right? All the, you know, the, the people mentioned in the Bible, uh, imagine going down in history and what the Bible says of you is like, like you're brilliant, right? You're something when the Bible says that you're brilliant, right? So uh, it says, Solomon was brilliant. God had blessed him with insight and understanding. Solomon wrote more than 3,000 wise sayings and composed more uh, than 1,000 songs. Uh, so he wasn't just smart. He was also like artistically uh, uh, talented and musical. Like the guy had it all, right? Um, verse 33, he could talk about all kinds of plants and large trees to small bushes. And he taught about animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. Uh, kings all over the world heard about Solomon's wisdom and sent people to listen to him teach. Um, like, uh, Good thing uh, Jeopardy wasn't around because like he would be the only champion of Jeopardy, right? In his day in age. Now, I, I say all of this, right? I, I point out all of this because in a way, as human beings, we can look at a guy like Solomon and just say, man, lucky Solomon. Like he had it made in the shade. Solomon had the good life. Solomon, he must've known that his life always counted everything he did, like worked out, uh, just like, uh, right? It would be easy to become envious of Solomon and, and just feel like those struggles that I have as a human being aren't there. But the reality is even Solomon had his struggles. Even Solomon struggled because that's part of what it is just to be human is to have those struggles, to, to have those moments where you throw your hands up in the air and just say, yeah, it's not worth it, right? And, and part of what I hope we get out of this series is that even in those moments, what we'll come to learn from scripture and from God is, it's not for nothing. It's not for nothing, that your life really does count. What you've invested in it, what you're doing, what God has for you, it's not for nothing even though we experience those moments and we will experience those moments. Um, uh, partway through 2019, uh, I remember experiencing this as a dad. Uh, you know, my daughter was in college and, uh, you know, out of the city and, and at first all the COVID pro, uh, uh, protocols, you know, our kids were at home and then, you know, the summer hit and then they could go back and everything seemed good. And then I got this call from uh, Colette that she was having this terrible stomach pain that was just like, felt like it was getting in the way. And so we kind of helped her like, well, you got to, you know, make a doctor's appointment and everything. And all of a sudden getting a doctor's appointment became super difficult because you couldn't just make an appointment and show up. You, you, like, you had to go through all the protocol. You had to make appointments. And half the time, uh, you couldn't even get to see the doctor that it was like a phone call thing and she's in school and trying to go through this system. And, it just, and I remember talking to her on the phone and just hearing her frustration 
uh, in uh, all of this. And uh, initially, her uh, first doctor said, this has got to be a kidney stone. And so she had to go through all of these tests. And of course, all of this gets carried on and delayed because of uh, just the world and what we were in. And I remember as a dad, just like feeling uh, for her in this. Um, and about this same time, uh, it was really starting to get to her this sense of isolation because, right, and if you're a parent, you understand, you don't even have to be a parent. If you're a human being alive today, you get, right, that sense of isolation that we've struggled with. She would sit in her apartment uh, bedroom and just take all of her classes all day long, all by herself. And then at the same time, struggling with what she thought was this kidney stone, then they get all the tests and she calls me up in tears one time. It's like, dad, they said it's not a kidney stone. And the doctor doesn't know what it is. And now I've got to start all over it. And it just feels like all those phone calls, all those, all it just, it was for nothing, right? And, and I could just feel and hear the frustration in her voice. Is it's just like, I put all of this in there. I thought this was going to be, and it wasn't. And it was like, she was in this holding pattern, uh, isolated in a room, struggling with pain, and then doing all these tests, getting all these appointments. Well, weeks turned into months that turned into more months. And now like uh, six months into this, through like all the way through the semester, not figuring out what this was. And there would be nights where I'd get a phone call like in the middle of the night. And it's your daughter, right? And if you're a parent, you get this. And it's just, she was in terrible pain. But more than the pain, more than the pain she was feeling, it was that sense of hopelessness. It was that sense of like, I'm in this holding pattern and I feel alone and isolated and I hurt and it just, nothing feels worth it, right? And just, oh man, is a dad. I wanted something so much more for her, but I could understand the struggle. So I want to ask you, right? Have you ever felt like things have just stacked up in your life in a way that put you in this holding pattern where you just felt like, I don't know what my life's adding up to right now. I just, I feel like, and maybe it's, you're trying to overcome something in the past and like struggle with that. Or maybe it's just like, like until I can get to that future thing, I, like I just don't, nothing's worth it. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life, right? What has that been for you? Add that, that you've struggled with that, right? Because we all have. Solomon did. You know, you take your first glance at Solomon and it just seems like everything was together and he didn't face that. But the reality is he did. He was caught in that holding pattern. And we all get caught in that holding pattern. But what I love about Solomon and why I've chosen to work with him here this morning is because there's a part of Solomon where he is so honest and vulnerable about what he went through and struggled through. So on one side, like we see this, what it just seems like, like he had the golden life and, and how could he struggle with anything? But I wanna read to you some things he writes out of the book of Ecclesiastes, which is also in the Old Testament. So I, um, I want us to look at some things that he says in the Old Testament in this book called Ecclesiastes, where he kind of bears his soul with a few things. So uh, flip over to Ecclesiastes chapter two. 
chapter two. And here, here's what he says in this about, you know, and here's the guy that is wiser than anyone. And he writes this starting in verse 15. He says, finally, and, he's, and before this, he's, he's told us about some things he's struggling with. But he says, finally, I said to myself, being wise got me nowhere. The same thing will happen to me that happened to fools. Nothing makes sense. Can, can, you, like, can you feel like that struggle in his heart? Like it's like throwing his hands up. It's for nothing, right? This doesn't make sense. This is for nothing. Wise or foolish, he says in verse 16, wise or foolish, we all die and are soon forgotten. This made me hate life, he says. Everything we do is painful. It's just as senseless as chasing the wind. He's in that holding pattern, right? And, and again, he's using some deep and dramatic words, right? He's trying to make a point uh, here in all of this. But have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you're kind of chasing the wind? And you wonder, like, when will I get to that place? Or it just feels like maybe you've wasted something, you've invested something, and you don't know where it's uh, going. Maybe you felt it with your kids. Maybe it feels like someone's just turned the lights out and you're in darkness on it. And it's just like, where do I go from here? And he writes about, there's a lot in the book of Ecclesiastes where he writes about this. And, and it gives us this thing where he holds both of these things, where there's, there's like these good and beautiful things that he sees, and yet there's this deep struggle he has. Uh, flip to chapter five, because uh, we're gonna spend more of our time here in chapter five with, with something he says, Ecclesiastes chapter five. He gets to this place in Ecclesiastes chapter five, um, where he summarizes kind of what's going on. He says all, and, and he speaks to all of us. He now branches out and just says, you know what I struggle with? I get, we all struggle with. He says, all their days, they eat in darkness. In other words, they're in doubt. They're, uh, they don't understand. They're, they're just making, like they're eating. They're like just making it through life. But what your soul really means to feel like your life counts for something, it's like someone flicked off the lights and you're in the dark. Ever feel like someone flicked off the lights and you're just in the dark? So, the beauty of Solomon is that in all of his wisdom, while he gets this, he, it's like he knows how to flick the lights back on. And this morning, I want us, I want us to, to learn from Solomon some things about how we can like flick the lights back on in our lives, despite whatever it is that we're feeling or going through uh, in all of this. I remember with my daughter Colette, and just, you know, some of those late night conversations and just feeling the pain of where she was, it, like just in this holding pattern, uh, struggling over feeling like she wasn't learning anything because everything was online. And between the pain and between everything going on, um, like it was so frustrating. And the thing that is a dad that I wanted her to know, right, was that even though you're going through this, life is still a gift. That, that there's still good things, that God hasn't forgotten you and that you're going to make it, right? Have you, ever, have you ever had someone in your life that you love and you've watched them trapped in that holding pattern and you just long for them to discover, to find, to get their hands around something else? I know what that's like. 
because I'm a dad and a friend and a husband. And I bet you know what that's like. And as I think about this and just the world that we're in, um, I want that for you too. Just like my daughter, I want you, whatever it is that you might be going through, wherever it is, and, and maybe it's something hard or difficult. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just that intangible thing in your life and you just say, I just, I'm left with questions about whether or not the thing that seems so good is really that good. Maybe you started a career and you were so excited about that career and it brought you joy and a sense of deep satisfaction. And now you find yourself kind of just going through the motions and you're like, what does this mean? That the thing that once brought me joy and challenged me and invigorated me with energy is now just kind of this slow drain. And I like, am I just, is it all for nothing? Solomon has some things to say to like flick the lights back on because the truth is God has some good things for you and for me and for all of us. So I wanna look at this next passage. Look how he turns the corner. He goes straight from verse 15, like where the lights get turned off to verse 18. He says this, um, this is what I have, have observed to be good, he says. That in all of this, in all of this struggle, that there is something that is good. And I love that, right? Like he, he, he doesn't wait for the bad to go away to say that there's also something good what I love about what Solomon does here with this that you're gonna see unpack is he doesn't get trapped in the past of what's happening or he's not in a holding pattern for what will happen in the future. He's going to speak to us about something in the present here in all of this. So he goes on, look at back, back at the passage. He says this, this is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. This is a gift of God, he says. So first takeaway out of, out of this that I, that I want you to see, and, and Solomon reiterates this throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, but he captures some thoughts in this one passage that are really good. First, first thing, friends, life is a precious gift from God. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, right? And Solomon understood the difficulty, the pain of it. And yet he is still able to say, life is a precious gift from God. And he talks in three ways about experiencing that uh, here. I'm only gonna mention two of them. And I wanna spend most of my time on the, on the one that I think is most significant and yet we struggle to get a hold of uh, the most. Uh, the first two uh, here in this passage, uh, he says this simple thing about uh, eat and drink. And, and what he's talking about there is, no matter what's going on in your life, there are simple pleasures. There are little things. Don't miss those. Take advantage of those. There's this phrase that he uses throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. It is eat, drink, and what? Anyone know what it is? 
be merry. Yeah, eat, drink, and be merry. Um, now, what he's not saying there, he's not saying become hedonistic or narcissistic or some other cystic thing out there that is bad or right? He's, he, this is not unbridled pleasure seeking. That's not what he's saying. But what he's getting at here is, you know, you can get so wrapped up in your spiritual life uh, about like, I gotta, be the, I gotta be the right kind of creator. I gotta do whatever that you miss the simple good things in life. Don't miss those, right? He's, he's kind of talking about that, but maybe another sermon another day uh, on that. Second thing he says here, again, that I'll just mention briefly is this idea of finding joy in the success of what you, of what you put your work to. That, that there's this, right? Anytime you succeed at something, maybe, maybe it's a sport and you get the trophy and he's like, Enjoy that. That's, that's not a terrible thing. That's okay. It's okay to seek after or achieve something at work or in school or around the house or something and like feel good. Like there's a human experience and that is okay. Now he's again, caveat, he's not saying go become a workaholic and base your whole sense of well-being and self-worth on what you can achieve because that'll be disaster. But what he is saying is there, there's a way of understanding that there's a gift in life that is you is you work hard at something, maybe even costly that, that there's something in joy out of that, okay? So those are two things, again, for another day. But it is this third one that I think is uh, so important uh, here. Look at the very end of verse 19. Here, here's where he hits it, the end of verse 19. He says this, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. And it is that word accept, right? Accept their lot and be happy. That's, there's something, there's a powerful lesson for us, especially in our culture, where I think we struggle with this sometimes. We struggle not to accept our lot in life. Now, uh, in fact, we use that phrase, your lot in life, primarily is a negative kind of phrase, right? Think about how that phrase normally gets used. Uh, going way back, probably taking Solomon's words about your lot in life. And how do we use it? We use it as a way of like, uh, of either self-pity or pity about someone else. Yeah, that's just their lot in life, right? Remember uh, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh and just like always negative. Well, you know, it's just their lot in life. Oh, well, right? it's just... But that's not how Solomon meant it to be. And, and, I, and the reason I say that is because we can read that and go, oh, well, that's exciting news, Glenn, right? You're gonna spend the rest of your sermon on that? Here's what I think. I think to understand what Solomon's getting at here can be really powerful. It, it, like it will do something for you. And it's because we struggle to accept the moment that we're in. Right? We get in that holding powder, uh, pattern and, and we won't accept it. And when we don't accept it, we lose that sense of a gift, right? Uh, you can't experience a gift if you don't accept it. And, and part of what happens is when, when life gets uh, difficult or when we feel like the lights have been turned out uh, in a moment, uh, there are different ways we frame out that moment that is, that is a non-acceptant kind of moment that sets us up to not experience life is a gift. Let me go through a few of these. Uh, one is when we, when we take on a kind of victim uh, framework, like I just like, like, you know, like 
this is my lot, but we're really not accepting it. What we're really doing is we're blaming, right? We're the victim of something. And it's just like, oh, like it's this terrible thing. It's just like, I, I think about my daughter, like, we all struggle with this, right? It would be so easy to just go to that place. You know, it was this, it was the doctor's fault. Because yeah? uh, they missed, uh, they thought it was a kidney stone at first and then they ruled that out. Six months later, she is in the ER after multiple times of going to the ER or whatever. And there's a doctor in there that says, you know what, I don't care what's been said before this or what it's ruled out. She's like, I think it's a kidney stone. Sent her to another uh, doctor and did a sonogram and realized that, uh, the sonogram they had done six months uh, earlier, they only uh, did a sonogram of her bladder, not the ureter, and, and they didn't see a kidney stone. And the second uh, they did the sonogram in the right place, they're like, oh, you've got a great big kidney stone there that's probably been there for like six months. And she's like, yeah, right? And it's just like, in that moment, you just want to blame. Like I wanted to blame. I was just, but it's like, in the end, that doesn't help you. Right In the end, because it gets you locked up in the past in some uh, way there. Or uh, another way it happens is uh, we, we struggle with denial, right? Like something's going on and we want to just pretend that the struggle's not there or that we're not uh, struggling uh, with that issue. And when that happens, uh, you know, it, it sets us up for a bad moment in the future. You know, in reality, denial would be a great strategy for dealing with things we don't like in life. It really would other than the fact that we end up running into reality at some point, right? If you didn't have to run into reality, denial would be fabulous, right? Yeah, and you're all laughing because you're just like, yeah, I've run into reality because we've all run into reality at different points, right? Like, you know, it, like a door in the dark, right? And, and so that doesn't help. Uh, the other one is, uh, we, uh, ever found yourself in a moment where you want to fight against reality? You just like, it's not true and I'm going to overcome it. I'm going to just like, and we make everything in our life that is uncomfortable an epic battle with the universe, right? We suffer for something from something as Americans uh, in our culture. Uh, discomfort, like we, we struggle to be able to just understand discomfort in multiple ways. And sometimes we turn every moment of discomfort into an epic battle with the universe. And in the end, it has us fighting over something and getting stuck in the past or stuck waiting on something in the future, all the while missing the gift of life in the present moment. And that's what Solomon is trying to pull us back to. And so like, where is it that you struggle? What's the thing where you just find yourself wanting to go to that victim place or wanting to turn it into an epic battle? And, and you know you're there when the thoughts of your mind are constantly focused on the past or what has to happen in the future for it to be okay, right? And what you're losing is the gift of life in the present moment. So what does it mean to accept the moment that we're in? That, that I think we struggle with. And that, I wanna talk about, uh, about that, but let me give this caveat too. That as I talk about this, what this is not, what Solomon is not saying, what I'm not saying, what scripture's not saying, is that, right, there are those situations that we are in 
where, the, where the, we need to fight the good fight, right? Uh, th- this is, this is I, I just want us to all understand, right? There are moments like where there is abuse, where there is something where we need to stand up or fight against something. And what he's not talking about is just accept that, right? This is the day in, day out, learning to accept where you are as a starting point. Because if you can't accept where you are as a starting point, it's hard to grow and move forward to that other place in there. So a few thoughts about acceptance uh, here that I think are important. Um, First one is this. Acceptance is choosing to see the world with the possibility that I don't have it all figured out. Right? That there are things that I don't have figured out yet uh, right now. I, I remember a moment where uh, my daughter just, just like believing this would never be figured out, right? She was just lost in that place where it just felt like, uh, like I'm gonna be in my room trying to do uh, college work for the rest of my life. This is never gonna change. And I know she really felt that way. And as a dad, I'm like, okay, I promise you, there will be a day where you will be back in a classroom in that. And just like, and, but she couldn't feel it in that moment, right? There will be a day when we will figure out the pain that you're in. There will be a day where like, where we'll get past this. But it was so hard for her to see in that moment. And as a dad, like, I just, I wanted to understand, like, okay, I know from all the experience you have and what you've been through, that it seems like that is true. And friends, there will be moments in your walk with God where it will seem like, right? This is all for nothing. But I promise you, right? There are things that God is doing. God is active in your life in ways that you cannot always see. And part of acceptance is accepting that I don't have it all figured out, that there's something I can't figure out in this, right? I'm going to let that go and let that be in God's hands. There's something that Jesus says about all of this that I think is uh, uh, really good. If you uh, would flip over to the book of Matthew, which is over in the New Testament, which captures a lot of the story of Jesus. And so there's a time when Jesus is, teaching and he's talking about just the anxiety we feel over the problems of this world and how we can get locked up in all of this. And he says this in chapter six, Matthew chapter six, verse 28. And and he talks about the worry and the anxiety that we can experience. And he says this, and and why do you worry about clothes? And uh, uh, yeah, and, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And at first you can see people going like, where are you coming from? And I love that he throws Solomon in there because this is new information that people would not have understood, right? Because they would have thought, oh my gosh, if I had Solomon's life, all my problems would be over, right? And it's like, okay, but did you actually read Solomon? Because Solomon had some really deep problems. But Jesus is saying, can you trust me that in the way God would take care of the flowers of the field, that God is in your, is at work in your life. In fact, you matter so much more, right? Than plants or flowers in the field. And if God is at work in that, God is at work in your life. And maybe a question you can ask yourself in one of those moments where it just, it, you feel like you're caught in a holding pattern um, is, 
is it possible that God is providing some good things and I just can't see them yet? Is it possible that God is at work for whatever reason and I, I just don't have it figured out yet? Ask God that. Maybe even say, God, can you give me the eyes to see where the gift of life is actually present in my life where I might be missing it right now. Instead of me assuming everything that's there, God, help me to see what might be there. Second thing about acceptance is this. Acceptance is choosing to let the world and the people around you just be. There's this thing uh, that happens when we, when we uh, uh, can't accept kind of the starting point of where life is, we, we exert so much energy on trying to change people and circumstances around us, oftentimes that we have little or no power over to actually change. I mean, think about, think about an issue in your life. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a circumstance. How much energy and effort have you poured into it? How exhausting has it become, right? And have you poured that energy into something that, Really, if you're honest, you've not changed it much. In fact, oftentimes we can pour so much energy into trying to change something that we have little or no control over. But we pour energy into it. And part of that is because we just won't let it be, right? We want our spouse to see the situation the way we see the situation. We want our kid to listen to us and share, you know, our opinion about that certain thing. We want to, you know, we want to change how a coworker is going to react to something. We just like, and in the end, it, it's like we're, we're trying to control. Hang on. There's something beautiful about acceptance that says, I may not like it. I may not understand it, but it's not mine to control. I'm going to let it be. I'm just gonna let it be, let it be. Someone should write a song, don't you think? And we should all listen to that song, right? Um, uh, seriously though, right? There is something powerful to those words, let it be. There's something powerful to Solomon's words, to accept whatever your toil or your lot is in life, start there and you will have more energy for seeing and pursuing those things in life where you get to experience life as an actual gift in this world. I love how Jesus wraps up this little uh, section here. Uh, look at verse 27. He says, uh, can anyone... Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? He's just saying, all that worrying, all that anxiety, all that controlling, does it really pay off? Or can you learn to accept it where it is? And, and you know, what I have uh, found is in those moments where we accept what is, we start finding what we can influence. We start finding our voice. We start finding where we actually have more power that actually is helpful in a situation, right? Um, but it starts with accepting. 
last thing uh, here on this. Um, acceptance is trusting that Jesus understands and has you. So Jesus goes through this section and he walks through uh, again more about this idea of all of these things out in the world that we try and control, all of these things that we worry about, things that are good, things that are important, things like food and shelter and, and just all of these things. And then he makes this remarkable statement in verse 32. Look at verse uh, 32. He says, right, for all of the pagans. And by pagan, he's, he's just talking about like even people who don't know God, right? Even the people who don't know God run after all of these things. And then he says, and you shouldn't want them and you don't need them. No, I love what he says here. Look at this. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. God knows. In those moments where it feels like the lights have been flicked out, in those moments where it just feels like you're trapped in a holding pattern. God knows. What Jesus is saying is, I understand. And I am with you in that moment, right? So many times on that phone with my daughter through those months and, and hearing my wife on the phone with her in those months, right? Um, we understood. Even in the moments where she didn't know if we understood, our hearts were raw with just wanting good things for her, wanting her to be able to get past this moment. And friends, God, like he, like he wants good things for you. But you know, as a dad, I also know this. It is not my job to step into my children's life, even as they're adults now, to make sure that they never experience struggle, to make sure they never experience pain, to make sure they always have the right answer to everything in a moment and don't have to wrestle through things and don't have to make any choices themselves, right? No. I know as a dad that there are moments that my kids need to struggle and are going to struggle. And I know that it's sometimes out of those struggles that they learn the deepest, best lessons of life but it doesn't change that I don't like the pain and the struggle that they feel going through that. But as a dad, I understand it. I understand it at a level that, that they don't yet understand it. They're starting to, and they will more. And will I let go? Will I accept where I am? And the way I can do that is if I know that Jesus has got me in this. And the moment you have that, it begins to free you up. I read a book uh, years and years ago by uh, Tim Hansel. I don't know if any of you are familiar with him. Uh, he was a, a really good mountaineer and climber, and I enjoyed climbing and read some of his stuff. But he had a terrible fall at one point uh, when he was ice climbing and fell on his back. He was wearing this uh, great big backpack, fell on his back, uh, thought for sure it was going to kill him. And he's sitting there on his back and he's like, oh my gosh, like, I don't think anything's broken. I can move my arms and my legs. He gets up and he and his partner climb down the mountain and they think, wow, we dodged, you know, a bullet on that one. That could have been terrible. Um, gets back to his hotel room where the next morning he's gonna, you know, get on a plane and leave and go back home. And in the middle of the night, 
All of a sudden, he wakes up with these terrible shakes, this overwhelming pain. Uh, his friend takes him to the ER. Uh, they do an x-ray and find out that he has broken most of the vertebrae in his back, but he's not paralyzed. Makes it through, uh, but then begins this long struggle of of trying to overcome this. And, and you read through the book and you just feel for him as he struggles through all of this stuff. And, and throughout the book, he's in this struggle of like, why did that happen? Why, like, like, why did that happen? And always looking to the future about like, okay, but if I can get the right doctor, if I can have the right surgery, and he lives in this kind of holding pattern going round and round, trying to solve it and doesn't realize that, that, that he's trapped himself in this place where out of just, he just can't accept the reality of what is, that it was actually keeping him from the gift that God had given him. And he was this really strong Christian, just incredible story. But finally he has a friend that says, I want you to go see my doctor. I want you to go see my doctor, you know, like, Let's see if it'll help. And he, he goes and he sees this doctor and the doctor goes over all the information, everything. And Tim Hansel describes his experience with this doctor was different than any other doctor. And it became a major change point in his life. He says the doctor went through all the information and basically described everything that every other doctor had said. And he goes, the doctor says to him, so what do you want from me? Tim's like, well, I want you to fix me. That's what I want you to do, right? And, and the doctor very lovingly says, so Tim, here's the truth of your situation. And walks him through everything that is basically, here's where you are, right? You, you can, you, and basically walks it and says, you can do everything you want to do that your body will allow you to do. Like, I'm not here to say you need to stop climbing, you need it, but you have limitations in this and you're going to struggle with pain and you're gonna to have to learn how to manage it, right? That, that's the situation. And Tim says, I was just like, oh. like just, and then the doctor says to him, so Tim, now that you know that, what do you wanna do? And Tim said, no one had put it to me that way. Like, like, he yanked me out of the past, pulled me out of the future of this crazy holding pattern and put me in the moment. And he said, at first it just seemed like a mean thing to say, you know, I can't fix it. Now what do you want to do? It was, if you can accept where you are right now, there's nothing more empowering than accepting that and realizing, given that, you get to choose how you move forward in life. And Tim described that as the change point in his life. We're accepting that moment that life became a gift again. He went in and taught climbing, worked with young people, did the climbing that he could. He said he enjoyed his family more. Like, all of a sudden he got out of the holding pattern of the past and the future and started to experience life as a gift. Friends, if you can accept wherever you are, that becomes the beginning point of experiencing life as a precious gift from God. Now, 
before I close, let me just say this. If you're a guest here this morning, it has been so good to have you here this morning. Um, I hope that you'll come and uh, be a part of the rest of this series as we continue to kind of unpack uh, what this means that even in moments where we just like throw our hands up in the air and just say, it's not worth it to realize it really, really is. There is life with Christ. Um, why don't you stand and I'm gonna close this in prayer uh, here this morning. Let me, let me pray. Father, we just thank you so much for uh, who you are and we thank you that you are trustworthy, that we can put our hope and our trust in you. And I pray that you would help all of us to heed Solomon's words in understanding what it means to actually start where we are and trust you forward. And we pray this in your son's name, amen. Have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next Sunday.